Hi, this is Dr. Osa Saldivar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. Um, one of the wonderful things about the podcast is that it's allowed me to meet amazing and wonderful people. And, and this person, um, this guest, I want to say, I know we, we met like when we were kids. <laughs> I'm sure we met when we were kids at some point. Um, but she has gone on to do some amazing things, is really doing some wonderful work. And I thought she'd, I think she'd be a great guest for the podcast, not only because of her position, but also because of the work that she's doing within, within that position. So I'm going to turn it over to her and I'm going to allow her to introduce herself to our audience. So Renee, would you uh, do the honors? Good morning. Yes. Good morning. Uh, and I'm sorry, you're right. We've known each other probably since we were little kids. Um, and I know you as Jay, but now you're Dr. Saldivar. So I will be formal. Um, but, you know, first and foremost, you know, um, your family has always been very inspirational to me. Your mother, your aunts, they're just such eloquent women. Uh, your Tia Diana is a tutor for my daughters. They're just very smart. Um, and I've always admired that growing up, uh, watching them, uh, you know, um, it was really neat to see women during that time just be so intelligent. And, and I wish that, you know, um, I wish more would have seen that growing up. So I'm just really excited to be here. Uh, thank you for the invitation. I'm Renee Rodriguez Bedingcourt. Uh, I am the judge of the 449th District Court. I'm a district court judge here in uh, Hidalgo County. Um, the 449th District Court is a very special court. Um, it is a district court like others it has general jurisdiction. In other words, what that means is I can hear any and all cases that other district judges hear murder cases, cr you know, criminal law, criminal cases, um, family cases, law, civil cases. But I choose not to because my court was specially uh, created to hear only juvenile cases. So I preside over all juvenile cases. Juvenile cases are children who from the age of 10 to 16 get uh, charged with a criminal offense uh, under the Texas Penal Code uh, and they get most likely they get detained and then I see them in a detention hearing and then from there if the DA feels there's sufficient evidence they file a petition against them and there's more more likely than not they'll end up in my court I hear all about 85 percent of all juvenile cases in Hidalgo County. Wow that's um that's quite the responsibility for you. It is. I mean, it's it's difficult to see. Um, well, you have to understand. So growing up, you know, we saw I saw a lot of uh, we were we weren't well off. My parents were not educated. So we were surrounded a lot by individuals who, you know, same weren't educated, um, probably had criminal records. But what I would always see is that someone's criminal history doesn't always define who they are, um, especially when it comes to children. Um, and that's what these six years that I've been on the bench, that has been shown to me in so many ways. You know, children are children. They aren't born knowing right from wrong. They're taught to know right from wrong. And sometimes, unfortunately, um, their upbringing, their environment, um, their home, is a huge factor as to why they're getting into trouble. So these six years, I've really become an advocate, not so much just a judge for the issues that I see in my court. Um, it, it is, it's sad a lot of days, um, but some days it's really rewarding when you see that a child is giving it their all to change from, you know, being a drug addict to being clean, from getting out of their home, you know, where there's domestic violence or abuse. 
to really, you know, getting their themselves on the path that they need to. And then, of course, education plays a huge role in these children's lives. Um, the lack of the lack of them being designated, you know, diagnosed of educational needs that they they clearly have, but no one has ever kind of looked into it. You know, it's there's a lot of things that need to be done. And I don't think I'll get them done in my lifetime, but I hope that I have a, a hand in some of it. You know, Judge, I um, I asked my guests this question. Um, if they had to go back to their the beginning of their educational journey or point to a moment in their life when they'd say, my educational journey began at this moment, where would that moment be for you? I think my educational moment happened when, um, for some reason, and I'm still waiting for them to call me back and say, we're just kidding, we made a mistake, was when I entered the University of Texas Law School. I mean, I, I come, I'm the only girl, there was double standards in my home. I have two older brothers. They were allowed to do anything and everything because they were boys. Um, when it came to me, I wasn't allowed. So one of those things was going away to college. Um, it wasn't so much that I wasn't allowed. I just wasn't given the choice. When kids were, you know, parents were hurrying them up to do college applications. I was, you know, secretly filling out a college application because my mother and my father said, look, there's a perfectly good university in our backyard. You do not need to leave. If you do leave, you're on your own. We can't afford to pay your room and board, you know. So basically, I didn't have a choice. Um, and I remember, you know, even getting scared that my mom was going to find a an admission letter in the mail when most kids were waiting for the. You know, it, it's it's really funny, but you know, um, but really, my educational background, my educational journey started when I went into UT Law because. Jay, you have to understand, I was going to school with people from Harvard, Yale, Stanford, um, you know, Ivy League schools, um, even UT, AM. These were the cream of the crop kids. And for me to be there, there was only 50 of us Hispanics in our graduating class. I was a female. I was really Hispanic. I mean, the Anglo late girls would ask me where I tanned. Uh, that's what they would ask me. Um, you know, I and and also you see, so there was a lot of injustices, but it was just I say it started there because it was a life journey that started. You know, in UT, the famous slogan is what starts here changes the world. Honestly, what started there changed my world. And seeing that I could be, uh, you know, it's confident seeing that I could be at that level and seeing um, that I could make the same grades. Of course, I had to work a little harder. Um, I had to do a little more. I had to be a little more scared and not as confident as some of my other classmates. And during that time, that was when Hopwood was uh, decided by the Supreme Court. So affirmative action was well into play uh, at the time that I joined. Uh, I, I was admitted into UT, where even to the point where I had someone say like, hey, you took my friend's spot or hey, you know, the only reason you're here is because of the color of your skin. Uh, but being the smart person smart, you know, but that I am, I was like, well, I'm here. Right. So we'll, we'll get it done. Uh, but it was, you know, that's where my journey, even though there, I saw some injustices, I really, you know, it opened my eyes to what the world is. It gave me confidence. You know, I was going to school with kids that their dads were state representatives, state senators, John Sharp. I went to law school with John Sharp's um, son. I went to law school with, you know, the, the, like I said, you know, people that were there, and I hate to say you have to compare yourself, but in a way that gave me that confidence boost. And so when I graduated from UT, I felt like I could conquer the world uh, because, you know, that institution. So I think that's really where my journey journey began. One, congratulations. Um, 
because yeah, I I know how difficult it is one to get into UT law school because yeah, it's you know one of the preeminent law schools in the country, um, and so I'm familiar with the reputation. I know who you were going to school with, and so one just wow, congratulations, and especially I think you know given the background that you described for our listeners, right? It wasn't necessarily that you were on a path, right? They, you know, some some kids. John Sharp's son, there's a direct path for him to go from wherever he was in high school or wherever to, to UT Law School. Mm-hmm. That wasn't necessarily that path for you. Judge, let me ask you, when you were a kid, when you were growing up, did you always know you wanted to be a lawyer? Did you know you wanted to be a judge? I mean, what were you thinking about when you were a kid? No, I wanted to be a Tejano singer. <laughs> Seriously? No, really. I, I, I was, uh, we would migrate and my parents loved the Hana music and I would go to the market square on Sundays when my, when my dad would pay the, you know, the employees and we would head out there and yeah, I like saw Selena for the first time in the market square. And you know, again, it's, you know, I hate to say this and now I don't do it as much, but it's really comparing yourself to others and saying, okay, well, if they can do it. I can do it. So, you know, you yeah. see Selena up there, she looks kind of like me, you know, not like me, but you know, I've same color of skin. Yeah. Uh, and you're like, well, if she can do it. I can do it. And so I, I have a very good memory. Um, I can tell you every verse, every song. Um, actually our uncle Joey, uh, both our uncle, he, he, when I was little, he would say, how do you do that? Like, how do you memorize every word to every song? I think I was more annoying than, you know, impressed. Uh, he was impressed yeah. with it, but I think I was more annoying to him because I would sing <laughs> every word to every song. So I have a photographic memory. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I wanted to be a Tejano singer. But when I knew that wasn't, you know, that wasn't practical in our life, in our world, in our parents' world. Uh, but, you know, um, I talk a lot. I was that talkative kid in class. I always got in trouble for talking. Uh, I was very argumentative. Nothing. I always asked why why you know um so i did know i wanted to be a lawyer especially because i would hear my father talk about you know they would make contracts with the growers uh, of the watermelon in the watermelon industry and sometimes these growers my dad you know he's old-fashioned a handshake means a contract and these individuals would take advantage of him not you know getting something in writing so he wouldn't necessarily be paid what was fair, the wages, um, then, you know, you would get uh, the Department of Agriculture there to see whether he had, he was, you know, employing, um, em, you know, people from another country who weren't here legally. Um, so, you know, I, I always heard my dad say like, well, we need a lawyer. Well, we can't afford one. Well, we need a lawyer, but we can't afford one. So, you know, I did know early on that I wanted to be a, a when I knew my dream of being at the house singer was not going to um, happen. I, I did. I always wanted to be a lawyer. I, I knew from the get go that this was what I was going to do and I was going to do it and nobody was going to stop me. So, so yes, I did. I did know. Wow. Well, that's, um, I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. The Tejano singer dreams of a aspiring <laughs> Tejano singer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you go to law school, finish up law school. And, you know, I remember I don't know, it must have been a class that I took at some point. And I remember somebody saying, if you want to do corporate law, go to UT Law School, right? UT Law School you know, produces a lot of corporate lawyers. As, as you're graduating from UT, what kind of law were you thinking about? Were you thinking about coming home? Were you thinking about, let me go, let me go explore the world? What were, you, what were your thoughts at that moment? You know, I still, okay, so 
I mean, my mother was 14, 15 when she got married. She didn't go to college. She didn't go to high school. She didn't go to prom. She didn't do any of these things. So to my mother, you know, she would be happy if oh, my parents would have been happy if you were just a good person. They they, weren't, they don't look at employment. They don't look at status. Um, mm. But my mother would have been happy if I was got a high school diploma and stayed home. So really, no one had any expectations for me but myself. Um, every time somebody would, you know, pat me on the head and say, oh, that's a good dream or that's a good you know, goal. It just motivated me to do more and to actually get it done. Um, when I was in law school, honestly, I was just having fun. I really loved Austin. It was, you know, I had never moved away from home. Um, it was to me like one of the best cities anyone could live in. There was so much to do. Um, so I met Hillary Clinton there at a book signing, like face to face, shook her hand. I met so many individuals there because of the opportunities that they would give the students to meet uh, these influential individuals um, that I really didn't. You know, yes, I knew I was going to go to work. I knew I had to go to work. I'm your typical Hispanic daughter. You know, I was going to on top of becoming a lawyer. I had like a double life. I was going to be a lawyer, but I was still going to come home, get married, have children, you know, follow that that journey. So really, that's what I was. I always knew I had to come home. I always mm -hmm. knew that home was going to be where I would flourish. And it wasn't because I didn't think I was going to do well, but I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to be another number. I didn't want to be another law associate in a law firm that I was going to have to stay there till, you know, midnight. Um, you know, I did all that. I studied hard. I worked hard. I wanted to go work, make money and, you know, have fun. Have, and having fun, I meant having a family, getting married. Um, you know, I had those life goals as well. So I didn't really I didn't really want to do corporate. I didn't it didn't interest me. Mm -hmm. Then I didn't want to do public interest because after a while I figured, yeah, that wasn't going to pay the bills. And unfortunately, you know, I I had to help my family. Um, I, my parents, once you're out of the house, you're out of the house. You got to care for yourself. I fell in love. So I had to pay for a wedding. Um, so really, I it was funny because I did come back home mm -hmm. and I did work at a corporate office in a way. I actually did uh, med mal defense. So I represented insurance companies. So that's what I would have normally done had I got stayed in Austin, San Antonio, Dallas. Um, but it, it wasn't really my, you know, goal. I know everyone there in, in law school was like, Oh, I'm going to work at this firm, Bracewell and Patterson and, you know, Aikens and Gump. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go home. I'm going to, I'm going to go see what's going on at home. And, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And so when I got there, I, I still did corporate, but in a smaller scale, I mean, yeah. As corporate as you can in the Rio Grande Valley. So how does one go from you come home and 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 hats off to you for for being committed to kind of playing the dual role, right? Coming home, being an, an attorney. So being a, a professional, but then also thinking, OK, I'm going to have a family. I want to have a family. I want to have children. How do you make your way to I want to be a judge? Um, because, I mean, you know, that that's you, you campaign for that. Right. Am I not mistaken? Right. You campaign yes. for that. And so yeah. um, having been involved in the school board campaign, like I know how tiring that is, how much commitment that is. And so how did you when what did, what is it what happened that you said, you know what, I, I really want to make a difference or I think I can make a difference in this position? Well, I hope my husband isn't listening, but uh, <laughs> uh, I was making a lot of money. Um, I, I, I was, I was making very good money. 
um, because what happened was actually you talk about school board. So um, I was practicing for about five, six years, and then I had the opportunity to actually represent school districts. Um, I represented Edinburgh School District. I did some work for Elsa at Couch Elsa ISD. I did a lot of employee employee law employment law for different uh, districts like Westlake, Brownsville, um, even McAllen. So so it, I became a partner. Um, my um, my associate or my my partner uh, Kevin O'Hanlon, he is like notorious um, expert on school law. He worked for TA. He probably wrote you know stat statues uh, for TA. He worked with Ann Richards. Um, this guy walks into my office one day and says, "Hey, like I want to partner up with you. I think you have a good chance of getting you know the Edinburgh School District contract, but I don't think you can do it on your own." And I said, "No, I I can't do it." So what happened there is I had to learn really quick. He thought I was going to be one of these lawyers. I was just going to kind of collect the paycheck and not do work because that's sometimes how, you know, it works with local counsel. Uh, but I dived right in and anything I do, I'm like, I'm going to learn. I'm not just going to take take it for granted that I have this opportunity. I'm not going to take advantage of the people's taxpayer, you know, taxpayer money. I'm going to do my job. Mm-hmm. So I was already kind of used to being at work all the time. I would go to board, you know, board meetings what lasted till 12 midnight, wake up the next day, meet the superintendent at seven in the morning, you know, go over the agenda of what happened, executive session. So I was making a lot of money uh, because I became a partner with Kevin and we actually opened up a firm here in the Valley and we had some associates, Um, but it wasn't fulfilling. Like, you know, I mean, I was getting paid to do what I I was helping. I was helping Uh children indirectly, you know, teachers, schools, but I was getting paid for it. Um, and I just felt like there was more I could do. I felt like there was, um, you know, uh, kind of God had a plan and, and it was to stop and just stop what you're doing. You know, yes, the money's great. Everything's great, but it's not all about that. It's about helping people. I didn't ever anticipate being a judge. Uh, my brother was a politician. My brother, you know, I would sit there and watch him and, you know, people think he hung the moon. And, you know, I was just like, I can't, I don't, I don't think I could get, I don't think I could do that. I'm a, I'm a girl. I have mood swings. I'm you know, I'm always like the friendliest sometimes. Um, but then this opportunity opened up. There was a judge. Uh, it was really last minute. Judge Contreras said he wasn't going to run for this court. So I did a little research and I looked into juvenile courts. Um, and I had done some juvenile cases when I was a, a criminal law attorney. Uh, and I started doing research. I started seeing that in Bear County, they had specialty courts, you know, drug courts for juveniles. They had mental health courts for juveniles. They had, you know, smaller scales of dockets where they would address issues. And I was like, well, I mean, San Antonio or Bear County is about two million population. We're, we're already at one million. You know, I, I just don't see the difference of our area. Yes, we're mm-hmm. cut up into little cities. Yes, everyone, you know, there's different municipalities, but you put us together. We're about the size of of, of San Antonio. So I, in my head, I'm like, well, if they have this. Why don't we have it? And, you know, we're always a little behind on everything. So he said he wasn't going to run. I thought this was a great opportunity. I didn't think many were, you know, it's not a glamorous court like everyone, you know, people don't think it's glamorous. People, you know, you deal with children. That's what they tell me. But it was honestly something that I really, really, as I was researching and studying, I'm like, wow, you know, I can really make a difference. It's not just about going listening to cases and going home, collecting a paycheck. No, I could make a difference in a child's life. Um, And so the opportunity opened up and I had to campaign for it. And then 
Judge Contreras decided he was just kidding and was going to run after all. So I ran against an incumbent. I ran against a very prominent lawyer, um, ended up in a runoff, did a, you know, ran a runoff, ran two campaigns in one, and then uh, ultimately, you know, was victorious and, and have been on the bench for six years. I And then, of course, had my second term just as two years ago. So so it's, you know, it's it was a journey. But, you know, God knows the plans he has for you. So, Judge, you're doing you're doing this work and, and obviously recognizing the need. Right. You said you said Bear County had had a court like this, a specialty court. We didn't. Right. So you saw the need. Um, obviously, this sounds like it's very fulfilling work, at least much more fulfilling than the work that you were previously doing. You know, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean, yes. I mean, I mean, it kind of both. There's obviously pros and cons to both. Uh, but yes, um, you know, I miss going practicing law sometimes. But then again, at the end of the day, when you see a child say, hey, you know, I changed because of the opportunity you gave me, you know, it, it makes a difference. So you're, um, you know, and and sometimes I'll put these up on YouTube, but for the most part, this is audio. <laughs> um so if my guests, you know, I'm sure my, my listeners will, will know you, but if they don't, so you're still really young. <laughs> what, you know, what, you know, and for somebody with, with such, right, I, I think like, you know, I alluded to, right, John Sharp's son had a path and he knew exactly what that was. For you, it's, it's you seem to be very aspirational, very goal oriented. And if somebody says you can't do it, con mas ganas, you're going to go and pursue it, right? Oh, yeah. What other goals do you have for yourself? What else would you like to do? Raising my girls to be good people. Um, in this age right now, it's very difficult. We, My kids aren't growing up the way we grew up. Um, yeah. You know, we grew up wanting more because we didn't have it. These kids nowadays are growing up not knowing what more is because they have it all. Um, just teaching them, you know, that's, that's my goal, being a good mother, providing, you know, uh, an ex- a life that I didn't have, um, showing them how to um, be good to others. Really, that's, that's a goal I, I have. Um, people have asked me if I have other aspirations. Um, I don't want to seek a higher office. Uh, honestly, everything bores me. I, I don't, you know, I, I kudos to the court of appeals, but I don't really like to write uh, anymore. Um, you know, Supreme court uh, in the state of Texas, obviously until the state turns blue, then maybe I'll have a chance. Um, so really, and then it's money. It's time away from campaigning is money. It's away from your family. My daughters are over it. Um, they, you know, they didn't have a choice when I ran for, for the 449th. They're begging me not to run again for anything else. Uh, they're not very big on politics. They see how ugly it gets because I don't hide anything from my daughters. I show them, you know, the world. I have to show them what the world really is and, and not hide anything from them. Um, so, I mean, I just really want to be a good mother, a good wife, a good daughter. Um, I want to continue to help my community, whether it's in an elected position or not. You know, that doesn't define who I am. Uh, yes, I'm still somewhat young. I don't feel like it, but uh, I am. And actually, you know, I have ADHD. Uh, I have been diagnosed with ADHD, um, which is something I'm proud of because it. I think that has helped me 
you know, I'm, I'm always active. I'm always, you know, what do I do next? So it keeps me goal oriented because I have to be organized. I have to stay organized in order for my mind not to wonder and, and, you know, me be in all different types of places at the same time. So, um, I, I don't know. I just kind of wait to see what I'm, I have a lot of faith and I wait to see what God has in store for me. Um, there has been some talk of possible, you know, uh, maybe a, a federal judgeship. Um, you see, but that's something too I'm questioning because I like to talk to people. I, I, I like to be out there. I like, it's like my mom says, you like to be in the bed. Yes, I do. I do. Um, and you know, as a federal judge, you, you're out, you're, you're, you know, that's for life. You don't have to talk to anybody. You don't have to be associated with anybody. You really can't. You have to really be, you know, extremely neutral and 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 just kind of go to work and come home and and that's it. So, you know, I don't know if there's that possibility too, or I just may go back to practice. My older brother decided not to run for office any longer. And so he's opening up his own office and he's betting that he's going to make it so awesome that I'm going to want to quit and come work for him. But (laughs) I highly doubt that. (laughs) Wow. Well, you, you know, judge, just as I thought, I, I knew you'd have a good story and so many wonderful things that I think our listeners will be able to take away. But for the, you know, for the folks that maybe grew up in a similar background, maybe who are, you know, parents, parents just, just want them to be good people. Parents just want them to graduate high school, but maybe they want more. Maybe they're dreaming of more. What advice would you give them? Well, the first advice is if I can do it, anyone can do it. Um, again, you know, I didn't come from educated parents. Um, my mom wasn't on me to do my homework. Like I said, I was hiding to do college admission, uh, um, applications, you know, um, it's, I honestly say just being a good person, you know, just doing, respecting others, respecting yourself, never thinking you're better than anyone and never thinking anyone's better than you. Um, and always work hard, you know, echale ganas, like my, that's my model. My dad would tell me that anytime I had, you know, and then, you know, on a woman's perspective, look, a lot of people say, well, you went to law school because your brother, my brother was nine years older than me, almost 10 years older than me. He was out of the house. I was still in elementary. I didn't know what was going on. I really didn't pay attention. Um, I knew I wanted to go to law school because that's what I wanted to do. Um, and yes, of course, he was there to like give me advice, but he was on his own. He had a family. He was married when he was in law school. He had a baby in law school. So really, you know, and like I said, it was double standard in my home. So for the women, for the girls out there, you know, um, don't let anyone, you know, tell you that you can't or don't let anyone say it's not possible. Law school is law school. Was I fortunate to get to UT? Yes, I am. And I thank God every day for that opportunity. But at the end of the day, it's the same. It's the same JD. You take the same bar. Doesn't matter. And it's also how you practice how you treat others, what type of practice you want to do. I mean, there's so many different factors. And so it's not just black and white. And I hate when people get discouraged because they think, well, you know, I want to be a lawyer, but I don't want to go into a courtroom. I'm not very talkative. Well, you know, there's a lot of different areas of law that you can do. There's people that I went to law school that don't even practice. They're lobbyists or they're, you know, they work for the UT system um, as directors of some type of program. So there's a lot of opportunities out there. And I just think that the opportunities are much more now than they were when we were in school. I mean, we didn't have 
You know, I tell kids when I speak to them at school, we didn't have AP classes in the same class. You know, we didn't have dual enrollment classes in the same school that you're mm-hmm. going to high school at. We had to actually go pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have concurrent enrollment. We didn't have a, I mean, AP was just something that was new. Nobody knew how to, how to teach it. We didn't know. I remember taking a calculus one AP and I was drawing stick figures because I didn't know what the heck was on that test, but <laughs> hey, I took it, you know, I, uh, so, you know, there, there's, there's so many opportunities that our kids have now. And I just, tell parents, you don't have to be the smartest. You just have to ask the questions and there's always someone willing to help. So if it's for your child and it goes about everything, I'm not even talking about those children that have the ability. I'm talking even about the children that may not have the ability to go to college. There's nothing wrong with that. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of vocational schools. People make a lot of money doing you know, vocational type of, of employment. Um, you know, it's it's knowing what you can do for your child and asking those questions. And a lot of parents don't like to ask questions. A lot of parents, you know, don't get involved in and there's always someone there to help. So that's what I would really, really, you know, want to send that message to parents who are listening out there. You know, just ask the questions, even if you think they're dumb questions or it's going to help your child some way, somehow you see your child has some issue. You know, the more you try to hide it or the more you try to, it's going to come back and affect them in a negative way. Um, so I really want to to talk to parents and have them understand that. And and an education is not just by a diploma an education is also by life. And like I said, just being a good person and doing what you're supposed to, you know, um, will keep you out of trouble and keep you on your path. I appreciate that. Thank you. I, I think that's great advice and, and I couldn't agree more, right? It, it's not about that particular diploma, but it is about, you know, life, right, as well. So I appreciate mm-hmm. that. Judge, I appreciate you taking the time today to share your story, give us some perspective. Um, I know I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I know, I know our listeners enjoyed it. So thank you very much. Um, have a wonderful rest of your day and continue doing the amazing work that you're doing. Uh, and you're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate it. And, and, uh, my door is always open. Uh, I'm on social media as an elected official. I'm very transparent. Don't have anything to hide. So you can find me on social media. Um, if anyone has a question, concern, or wants to, add, you know, any guidance, um, even students that maybe want to sit in on a class, sit in on my court, um, just reach out to me on social media and I'll, I'll respond as, as soon as I can and, and touch base with anyone that reaches out to me. So thank you for having me. I hope that, you know, my message is, is affect somebody in a good way. Um, and again, thank you for this podcast. It really does help individuals and, and really, you know, opens the communication about education and, and all types of different education. Well, thank you. This concludes another episode of the Way to College podcast. Tune in next time. Don't forget to follow, subscribe and break the podcast and we'll see you soon. Bye bye.